is another edition of your sports fix with the sports pulse i'm devin nashby happy monday y'all last week of april let's get it on and pop and hope everybody has an amazing week and hoping they're having an amazing start to their week but the world of sports is continuing we got a lot to talk about you know um biggest news of the week you know it's the eve of the NFL draft, April 29th through May 1st. Kind of a semi-return to normalcy. You know, they're doing things in person this year, unlike last year. You know, and things are kind of in place, you know. Um, it's always going to be craziness leading up to the draft, and this year is no different. You know, the trade-ups and different things, and now... There are a lot of reports about what the Niners are going to do with this number three pick that they've acquired. It, it's really crazy to think about how there are reports out saying they've narrowed their pick down to either Trey Lance or Mac Jones, and I'm just not buying it. I'm not buying it at all because I won't believe anything until it happens. You know, everything is all up. If you know anything about the draft, the NFL draft at least, it's all smoke screens until it actually happens. Like, they're not going to tell you their moves before they make them. You know, so the Niners pick behind the Jets. Everybody kind of feels essentially like one and two are set versus number three. So we're going to see what happens and it's going to be exciting. It's going to be really exciting, but... I'm really interested to see what the Washington football team does. Do they trade up from 19 or do they sit there and try to build this team around a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick? Because they seem like they have something in place. You know, um, do they draft his successor because he is 38 years old on a one-year deal? So there's a very unlikely chance that he's here next year, regardless of how he plays this year. Whether it's retirement or he moves on to another team or whatever, you know. and Or if he doesn't even play as well as we think he will you know like there's a lot of things it's a low risk high reward type of situation I feel like so we're gonna see what this man does you know we're going to see what this man does but you know great to see the other guys you know it's kind of a done deal Justin Fields goes number one essentially a done deal Zach Wilson goes number two but I think the 49ers would be making a huge mistake if they do not draft Justin Fields with the number three pick. That is the key to unlock a Kyle Shanahan offense if you put that guy in there. But you keep hearing all these reports that they love Mac Jones for some reason, you know, because it's all about systems and guys. For some reason in the NFL, want their systems to work. And they, they, they're so obsessed with making it look like they created a guy. You know, that's why you get these quarterbacks like Mac Jones and Nick Mullins who plays for them and guys like that. They'd rather have guys like that than an athlete who could unlock things in their system. You know, they want to micromanage things and make it look like they keep these reputations of being quarterback whispers when it's guys versus taking guys who make them better, you know, I just have a weird, it's a weird infatuation they have with guys like this, and I think I know part of what the issue is, but, you know, it's always taboo when you bring that up, <laughs> you know, so I'm gonna just leave that alone, but 
shout outs to the NFL draft. It's going to be interesting to see all the moves, all the, and I still think we're not done yet. You know, there's some teams who are talking about like nothing is done until it's done. There's going to be some trades on draft day, you know, so this, the craziness is only just now beginning, but April 29th to May 1st, we tune in, you know, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. But, you know, elsewhere, the world, um, America's been dealing with a lot of craziness the last year and a half, you know, with coronavirus and elections and insurrections and just all of this ridiculousness. But the one consistent theme one thing that just for some reason can't seem to go away uh, is police brutality. You know, that's a never-ending ill in this society. It's something that we've continued to deal with year after year, play, and more and more players and athlete, athletes and, you know, sports leagues have been getting involved in the political world and political fray and world of social justice. You know, we've been seeing messaging on jerseys and putting and racism on NFL fields and, you know, the MLB moving the All-Star game out of Atlanta because of Georgia's voting laws. Like, we've been seeing more and more of that. And there have been a lot of players like, you know, um, a lot of predominantly black players in particular who've been very vocal and speaking out especially the NBA has and the WNBA we can never forget them because they were the first to do all of this you know the WNBA has not wavered like even before Colin Kaepernick took a knee it was the WNBA players who were protesting police brutality they wouldn't take questions you know they would only answer things about police shootings and killings and stuff so they've been true to this you know while everybody else is kind of new to this so, but that being said, the NBA in recent years has really kind of taken a forefront. And LeBron James, you know, being the face of the NBA, has taken that on where so many athletes in the years before him were afraid to do it. He's kind of taken this full fledged and he kind of landed in a little bit of hot water this week. You know, not so much just for a tweet he put out so in his home state of ohio in the city of columbus there was a 15 year old named micaiah bryant who was gunned down by a columbus police officer after like an altercation they say she had a knife on her and body cam footage has come out and there are just different accounts and things just a lot of craziness and at the end of the day a 15 year old girl is dead at the hands of a police officer and you know it started and this was literally 30 minutes before the George Floyd guilty ver- or the Derek Chauvin trial where Chauvin was found guilty for murdering George Floyd. Like literally 30 minutes before the verdict was read, this shooting happens like up the, up the highway in Ohio or like over in the state of Ohio, you know. So like not even... A full 24 hours after this mess happens. And then, you know, obviously there was the shooting of Dante Wright in Brooklyn Center during the Derek Chauvin trial. So 
Minnesota as a whole has been kind of going up the last year and a half. So things have been happening. So there were protests with that. And the point is LeBron put a tweet out saying you're next, referring to the officer in Columbus. And most people clearly understood what he meant. But, you know, there are a lot of conservatives who and conservative politicians and media members and people who have used that as fodder and and a way to amp their base up and accusing LeBron of threatening violence against this officer's life. And now you got a bar in Cincinnati saying that they refuse to play any more NBA games until LeBron is expelled from the league. So good luck with that. Um, And we know, and then LeBron, you know, deleted the tweet and then clarified that he wants accountability, which is what many African-Americans have been saying. And we knew, I'm assuming most of us knew what he meant. But like we said, like he said, the reason he took the tweet down is because he knew it's being used to create more division and anger and stuff, which is true. These politicians coming out here saying he's threatening police officers. That is not what he was saying at all. He literally saying you're next as in he's next to receive accountability for his actions because like we said this was just minutes after the George Floyd and Derek Chauvin situation so you know anybody and I'm just tired of talking about this you know I'm tired every day I'm just watching these videos and as a black man in particular I'm just so sick and tired of seeing this stuff over and over. I'm so sick and tired of our children dying before they have a chance to live life. I'm so sick and tired of people using flaws to justify them dying. You know, I'm sick of it. Like, they shouldn't have to be perfect angels to be deserving of living their lives. Like, if... Everything, if smoking cigarettes and having tattoos and getting suspended from school a few times is justification for them losing their lives, then it's a whole hell of a lot of people that probably also deserve to die too. Like, that is just heinous, you know. And to get to the point of LeBron, I'm tired of people telling athletes to shut up and dribble as if they're not tax-paying individuals who live in this country just as much as we do, you know, like... LeBron pays taxes here. And then people use all types of stuff, like this whole China thing, like this obsession with China and stuff like that, to things that they don't even really care about themselves. Like, y'all could care less about the people of Hong Kong. Y'all could care less about human rights abuses in other countries, many of which American people have perpetuated themselves anyway. And American foreign policy has been responsible for. So y'all could care less about that stuff. So stop using these people as political pawns in your arguments because y'all don't care about them. Like Josh Hawley could give a damn about China because as he clearly stated, being the lone senator to vote against an anti Asian hate crime bill this past week. He could give a damn about China or any of these other people. So stop it, you know, (laughs) like just stop. And 
this idea that, oh, you know, you're pissing off a lot of Republicans by talking about this stuff. Well, maybe that's something you got to look in the mirror and look at. Like, oh, if if that many Republicans, Republicans are like pissed off at him talking about racism, that says a whole hell of a lot more about Republicans than it does about LeBron James. That's just me. Or about any of these other players. And I saw um, LZ Grandison, one of my favorite writers, he writes for the LA Times and a couple other people. He mentioned it this week. He's like, you know, these people love to see come from the ghetto stories without really sitting down and understanding why there's a ghetto in the first place. You know, and that is no truer words have been said, I don't think. You know, um, these people grow up, people like LeBron have grown up in these neighborhoods and these are the neighborhoods they come from. Many of them have dealt themselves over the their careers with and whether it's in the league, guys like Sterling Moore who were racially profiled while they were in the league or like Tabo Cephalosha having his situation with the NYPD a couple of years ago. Um, these are guys who've dealt with this stuff personally. You know, they've come from these situations. They've grown up. They have parents who've grown up in it, you know, who've grown up in Jim Crow and grandparents who've grown up in Jim Crow and things who couldn't vote. Like Asia Wilson said her grandmother, because of Jim Crow, was not even allowed to go to this University of South Carolina. And now she has a statue there. You know, these are people who are directly and indirectly because of through generational trauma have been affected by this stuff and for y'all to keep sitting here pretending like they're supposed to just throw that to the side for your benefit because you don't like hearing about it that's not how this works (laughs) you know that ain't how this works you know and I applaud them for not backing down you know whether it's LeBron whether it's the women of the WNBA whether it's you know even some of these white players like, uh, you know, Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence, who more um, Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr in recent years, who have been more vocal about it in the recent years. I'm I, like, I just appreciate them for continuing to speak truth to power and using their platforms because, you know, black folks, we've been doing it and we're tired of people not listening to us and. You know, this stuff is only going to continue as long as people continue to ignore us. That's all I'm going to say. Like, it's not going away. It's going to continue to get louder and louder. And Republicans are either going to have to deal with it or shut the hell up and get out the way. Point blank, period. You know? But I guess to move on from that, you know, baseball has really been kind of kicking up in high gear. And we know in baseball that there's been, you know, a starvation of, like, attention. The game used to be America's pastime, and it's clearly fell to the wayside to football and basketball in recent years. But there is a young generation of baseball players who are really bringing delight and joy back to this game and Fernando Tatis Jr you know Ronald Acuna Juan Soto 
you know, these these kind of guys are, are really bringing that fun back to the game. But Fernando Tatis just is an incredible baseball player. <laughs> like, he is so fun to watch. There's a reason he's on the cover of MLB's The Show. This dude is incredible. And the Padres are have essentially opened their contender window, I think. You know, they've been this back-and-forth series they've had with the Los Angeles Dodgers. You know, baseball is finally got something to build on. And I really hope, because as a fan of the game myself, you know, I've been a fan of the game for a couple of years now, ever since my grandfather's really helped me teach the game and stuff, learn the game and stuff. I really hope baseball capitalizes on this because this is so badly what this sport needs. It's something like this, you know. Tatis is just so fun to watch. And even when he's on the West Coast and it's hard to catch some of his games because of time differences, East Coast bias and whatnot. Him, and not just him, the whole Padres team, but especially him, they are so fun to watch. And, you know, the Dodgers have guys too. They have Mookie Betts, you know. He's fun to watch as well. Like, it's just so many players in that rivalry. You know, Trevor Bauer's an asshole, but, you know, he riles people up too. And him and Tatis going back and forth on Twitter. And, you know, Bauer saying he likes the celebrations and hope that's more of that and that they promote that. Because I'm tired. Baseball does not have to be this stiff-necked, tight, like, sport. It's these traditionalist people who can't seem to let go of these traditions from 50 years ago that are putting the game in peril. But guys like Tatis and Mookie Betts, they can bring the young people back. They, they're they the ones who can bring people back to be exciting because it's, like, it's long overdue. Baseball is a really good sport, like, regardless of what people say about it and how long games are and, you know, all these different things. There are guys out there like Tatis and like Acuna and like Soto um, who, you know, they come from, you know, the Caribbean. They come from the DR and from all these different countries, Venezuela and stuff, and they make the game fun. You know, who would have thought black people and Hispanic people make the game fun? Like, you know, with their chain wearing and their cockiness and their celebrations and bat flips and all that amazingness. So you got to look at it. It's something they the baseball has to capitalize on because, you know, another amazing series. They were down seven to one, came back and won last night. Like, you know, this stuff is fun to talk about. <laughs> you know, it's really fun to talk about. And I really hope that they capitalize on it because I'm tired of having to defend baseball to people, you know, like my generation is missing out on some really good baseball. And, you know, this is the stuff like, you know, it it can be fun before October. Like it is able to be fun before October. I just hope that they can capitalize on it. That's all I say. And I guess to wrap things up, NBA, it's been a whirlwind in the NBA. You know, a lot has been made of... There have been a lot of injuries to top-name players. You know, um, Trey Young has been missing time with his ankle. You know, um, you know, Kevin Durant has... And Harden and Kyrie have all missed time here and there. 
AD and LeBron have missed a lot of time because of injuries. You know, um, Jamal Murray recently just tore his ACL and, you know, probably messed up Denver's chances of winning. Joel Embiid, who was looked at as a clear MVP candidate a couple months ago, ended up dashing any hopes he had of winning by missing the last, like, month and some change with an injury. You know, Jason Tatum has dealt with COVID. So a lot of people have said that, you know, maybe that this season was rushed, you know, like compressing all these games in this short amount of time, a 72-game season that started in December, like not even two months after the last, the NBA Finals. Like, you know, this was something that you probably could have seen coming a little while ago and a lot of people were scared of this happening and things like that and it's kind of where we're at now you know um and the product on the court has suffered because of it you know at 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 times and this is kind of the NBA's fault like this is what we said and and we we still are not sure of the ramifications of COVID years from now because there are a lot of players like Jason Tatum saying he uses an inhaler after during before game like after and during games and stuff which is something that he didn't do before and he got COVID I think like months ago it was like way back in the beginning of the season I think when he got it and he's still dealing with it you know so it's just so many things. But with all that being said, it's been some really good basketball this year. And who would have thought the two longest winning streaks in the NBA belong to the New York Knicks and the Washington Wizards? The Knicks are fourth place in the East. Wizards are in 10th place and looking at a play-in game for when the playoffs start, you know. And the two of them have really... Like, Julius Randle, I was mentioning this, if we looking at most valuable players literally and you look at how valuable he's been to that team and what they're doing I don't get how he's not in the MVP discussion he's definitely the most improved player but I don't get how he's not at least in the MVP discussion at like at like maybe a dark horse candidate or something because he's been incredible to watch this year it's really been amazing to see him and RJ Barrett and all these guys turn and then obviously the leadership of Tom Thibodeau and his coaching staff and what they've done to turn that city around. It's like, man, the Knicks are actually like really good. Really good. They haven't been, they said it's since 2012, 13, I believe is the last time they made the playoffs. And then, you know, that was when Melo was there and Jeremy Lin and all them. So this team really has, a bright future ahead of them because they're doing it with this young talent guys who are kind of, I think locked into deals, you know, you got guys like Barrett and Toppin and hopefully Randall, I think is going to look at some things soon. And a lot of people were like, yo, you know, at the beginning of the year, there was all the talk about the fact that, you know, KD and Kyrie chose the Nets over the Knicks and just how far this team had fallen under James Dolan. And he still has to go. But you look at where they're at now, and it's just like, bro, they are really, really in a great spot. And the future is bright for this team. I don't know how far they go in the playoffs, but it's crazy to see how far they've come, you know. 
And then also on the Western side, I mean, the Phoenix Suns, you know, for years, Devin Booker has, you know, people were saying he needed to go. You know, they were just wondering, like, he's just wasting his career there. And now they're second place in the East this year. And they're looking very dominant. Chris Paul deserves his flowers. You know, the way we talk about him and LeBron are like essentially the same guy. You know, he's a guy who goes around the league and he just signs on to these teams that, you know, were either like you look at he came when he came to the Clippers, they were not a winning organization when he first got there. He turned them into Lob City and then for years they were had championship aspirations and obviously they never won them, but like they got there year after year when he was there. He went over to Houston and they went to a you know, they went to a Western Conference final and, you know, obviously they didn't win it or whatever. Then last year he was in Oklahoma City, a team that was supposedly in a rebuild. You know, they get to the playoffs and they take they take um I forgot who it was, but they took they took somebody to a seventh round of uh, a seven game series, you know, in the bubble. Like and now you look at how they've fallen since he's left. Now you look at Phoenix. Phoenix was a team that kind of was not really, they've been very dormant since Steve Nash and them left. And then they haven't done nothing since the Steve Nash days. And now you look and Chris Paul and Devin Booker and all those guys, DeAndre Ayton's kind of had a rebirth a little bit. These guys have turned this team into a top squad over there. And, you know, so it's crazy. The Knicks, the Wizards, the Suns, these are teams that, most years you wouldn't think about them and now here they are as in the Knicks and Suns case two of the best teams and those two get ready to play each other this week too so that's going to be a very watchable series so you know this is stuff to watch this is definitely stuff to watch the NBA has had a lot of bad stuff happen but there still are some really good storylines to keep watch of but with that being said, I think we can wrap it up for this week. You know, um, like I said, the NFL draft is upon us. You know, it's a big week coming up. We hope everybody has an amazing week. And also, shout out to the LSU women's basketball team, Kim Mulkey, after 21 years and three national titles at Baylor, returning to her home state where she started coming to LSU. So, Shout out to them as well. And WNBA season getting started this summer. Shout out to them and their new amazing jerseys that they got. So just a lot to look forward to. May is almost upon us. The weather is getting warmer. We hope everybody stays safe as COVID is still an issue. You know, stay safe out there. And we'll see you all next week. Sports Fix with Sports Pulse. I'm Devin Nashby signing off.